0: And welcome back. And you are listening to Policing Matters on PoliceOne.com. I'm your host, Jim Dudley. Well, Megan Kanka, Adam Walsh, Polly Klass, Jacob Wetterling, these are all names that you should know. They're children who were abducted, assaulted, and murdered even before the ubiquity of the internet and the World Wide Web. There have been countless other children and youth who have been victims via internet by sexual offenders and online predators. Are we doing enough to protect our children from these monsters? Well, the Internet Crimes Against Children Task Force program, the ICAC, helps state and local law enforcement agencies develop an effective response to technology-facilitated child sexual exploitation and internet crimes against children. This helps encompass forensic and investigative components, training and technical assistance, victim services, and community education. Well, today we're going to hear from a hero in the fight to track down and bring these sexual offenders and predators to justice. Uh, It's our pleasure to host Michael Seawall from the ICAC. Uh, He's been the investigator there for the past eight years. He's with the Winnebago County Sheriff's Office in Oshkosh, Wisconsin. And Mike's known for his ability to stay on the cutting edge of up and coming technologies and constantly finding the new playground online for child predators. He helped revolutionize undercover chatting through exploitation, new avenues and personas which have resulted in hundreds of child enticement, child pornography and child sexual assault arrests, both domestic and abroad. He is engaged in thousands of undercover interactions with suspected predators as well. In 2019, he was selected to join the FBI Child Exploitation and Human Trafficking Task Force as a task force officer. In this role, he began what he was dubbed Operation Kickboxer, which resulted in over 100 arrests, more than 50 child rescues, and about 3,500 suspects all over the world taken into custody.
1: So welcome to the show, Michael Seawall. Thanks for having me, Jim. Appreciate you having me on tonight.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, I see you posting on LinkedIn and some social media. Your team has really been successful, and you've also highlighted the work of other teams across the country in ferreting out these rings that uh, exploit children. And uh, I want to thank you for your efforts in bringing these despicable characters to justice. And Tell us a little bit about your journey from patrol uh, to where you're at now.
1: Sure. So this will probably shock a lot of people, Um, but I never spent a day on the road. I was never in patrol. So I actually started out um, part-time at our district attorney's office and part-time at our sheriff's office as a crime analyst. And I was doing a lot of statistical things. And at one point we decided back in 2014, about that range, um, start getting involved with ICAC investigations. Um, And I was 22 years old at that point, 23 years old. And we ran an operation. I just started doing the undercover chatting and found out I was pretty good at it. You know, one of those things are just kind of came natural. You know, I don't know if it's my ability to kind of read people, try to figure out kind of psychologically where they're at. But, you know, we had a really successful operation the first go at it and they kind of saw a need to keep me around. So at that point I stayed on as a civilian for a while um, and then they finally made the decision to say, hey. You know, Mike, we're going to send you the academy, we want you to you know, stay on and we'll, we'll we'll make an investigator so you can keep doing this work that you're doing. It's my opinion that at least with ICAC investigators, you know, you're either born for it or you're not. There's usually a, a small shelf life for individuals that can sit and do it because it is a really tough job. You know, the exposure to child sexual abuse material and constant chatting and inter- interaction with these people takes mental toll. So when I realized, you know, this is something that I can do, I was like, I'm on board, you know, and and I think it's important that people have the choice to do this kind of work as opposed to being forced into it. So I was honored that they would, you know, agree to send me to the academy, be a little unconventional with things and let me kind of slip into the detective division and keep doing what I was doing because they saw that, you know, we were being really effective with our tactics and having a lot of success. Yeah, well,
0: that's definitely unusual track. Uh, you don't hear about it often, the straight to investigations. My students ask all the time, hey, I want to be an investigator. And I'm telling yeah. them, no, that never happens. Well, I'll say, except there's one guy that I know. Yeah. Happened. Here you go.
1: Now you have that example.
0: Darn it. So, yeah, I mean, building uh, rapport and and actually sort of, you know, assuming empathy for these characters. And you're probably in complete revulsion, Um chatting with these these individuals so tell us a typical day do you get an assignment from an assignment officer or do you have a board is it like an NFL draft where you have your top (laughs) 10 predators and you go after them how's that work
1: we can't talk about the draft We're I'm in Wisconsin so with little Aaron Rodgers right now (laughs) it's a little touchy no you know what's unique about the undercover work specifically is there's no certain type of day right uh, my job doesn't go between eight and four ever. The personas that I take on and the things that I try to do tactically, you know, it runs from as soon as I wake up in the morning until I go to bed. In between there, obviously there's family time and things like that, but there's always a consistent looking at my phone, trying to keep up appearances, keep that persona going because um, it's really important just for the fact that, you know, if I say I'm posing as a child for an enticement case, yeah, you know, when is a child typically online? During school hours, maybe sometimes a little bit here and there, but I mean, the reality of it is they're on at night, right? That's when all that communication happens. There's not a, put your phone down. I think, I think my suspects would get kind of queued up right away if I stopped talking at four right away. Um, So really my day starts right when I wake up any given day, I could have a hundred or so conversations going at one time. And basically I try to prioritize in my head as far as, you know, what information do I have on this individual is there, could there be a child at risk? What kind of statements have they made in the past? And just try to feel them up to see who do I want to dedicate more time to today? Um, and who needs to kind of go to the back burner a little bit? There's never really any specific case that I'm assigned or anything like that. Um, we do get cyber tips still at, as part of our task force. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of your audience know what cyber tips are. Uh, sure. They're fed through the National Center of Missing Exploited Children, Department of Justice. And we'll get those here and there. And and then we try to take care of those as soon as we can, you know, because, you know, those are right in our jurisdiction. And and with this operation that we're running currently, most of these people are, are not even in the state of Wisconsin. You know, a lot of them are all throughout the country and some throughout the world. So we also take pride in taking care of our own, you know, our own in Winnebago County as well. So we make sure that we check those boxes off as well. What's interesting and what's always, what's very dynamic about undercover work online is the fact that you just never know when that big day is coming. It's kind of like any patrol call or any car that you stop on the road online. It's, it's very similar where you just don't know what day is going to be that day when you get that live picture of a child, mm-hmm. you know, like where, he, where you know, this guy is a hands-on offender and we need to find out who this is and where this needs to go immediately. I remember there was one morning, you know, a good story that we had where an individual sent pictures of his two week old daughter and we knew it was his, you know, they were live, live images of him doing despicable things to her. And it was right in the morning, got on with our FBI counterparts who do a fantastic job in Milwaukee and Green Bay. They are assets to, to what we're doing in Winnebago County. They make the whole thing, you know, move along and and get information for us and and push leads ahead. But we're able to pass our information on to them. We're able to get it to the United Kingdom, and in less than I want to say twenty hours, that individual was arrested um, and that little girl was saved. So wow, that's you know awesome. that those are the types of things where you just don't know what your typical day is going to be because it could be something as amazing of an opportunity for us to be able to take care of a little girl like that. Or it could just be constant chatting and trying to, you know, gather intel and figure out where's the next application, where are people going, what are people talking about.
0: Yeah, no, that is that's a great story. And, and so great that uh, you tracked them down and stopped them uh, early on. And I want to I want to just mention here that, um, you know, feel free to um, to talk about this. But I mean, of course, be protective of the information that we don't want to get out. Uh, I mean, we have a general Law enforcement following and audience. We have uh, individuals want to get into law enforcement or police work. We have um, friends, family, wives of, of police officers. But you never know who's listening. So be sure to temper, you know, your details. And I want to ask you as a a regional task force member, how does it get prioritized? Are you told, hey, we want to be Concentrating on the crimes nearest to us and get rid of these cases that we know, like like a UK example, like you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Do you tend to get those off your plate pretty quickly, or do you you tend to keep a hand in it because somebody's made a connection with you?
1: Sure. So I've been blessed at our office in Winnebago just with the fact that you know our our administration there kind of has the same thought processes as I do and what a lot of parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts and sisters and brothers would think in that if a child is at risk it doesn't matter where they come from right mm-hmm. at the end of the day they are our most innocent of victims they can't fend for themselves so for us to be there for them is a very important role for law enforcement and we've had the discussion you know, we, we don't get any blowback from any county board members or citizens when we post things about getting arrests in different countries or or different states or different, even even different cities in the, in the state of Wisconsin, just because of the crime type, it's something everybody can rally behind and understand why if we are being really effective um, and we're, we're having a lot of really positive impact on the world, that it doesn't necessarily have to be right in Winnebago County. And to kind of you know, work off that too. You know, the first two or three years that we were involved in the ICAC task force, we had well over a hundred arrests right in our county. We were running child enticement and child sexual abuse material cases, you know, constantly. But given what we're involved in now, we, we have an opportunity to kind of run with where we're at position wise and kind of some of the tactics that we utilize that you know since we we are kind of embedded and have the trust of some people and we're we're kind of in a smooth road at this point that we have nothing but you know everyone's blessing to stay where we are and keep doing what we're doing just because of you know you, you talk around 50 kids rescued yeah you know, it's, it's it's tough to argue like hey stop <laughs> sure. you know let's focus on on down the road instead sure no borders that's that's a great mantra
0: So what's the process for those internet uh, predators who work across cities and states? Do you immediately contact someone in the next, another agency in the next jurisdiction and uh, bring them into the investigation? Do you work with other prosecutors? How how does that work?
1: So depending on the type of case. So the operation that we're running right now is kind of unique in, in, in the fact that we weren't built to do this. I don't think a lot of agencies were built to kind of handle the quantity that we're looking at at this point. As you mentioned earlier, there's over 3,000 suspects that we're still working on, both at the sheriff's office and at, at the FBI. So it's it's quite a large operation. So really what it comes down to now is prioritizing those folks, right? We prioritize, we figure out, you know, from my level as, as an undercover I've talked to so many of these people that I I have a really good feel for when, you know, they're, they're fantasizing about something, or if they're being upfront and honest about kind of some of the things that they're doing for say, like a hands-on offender, you know, and the content that they're distributing, what is the age range? What is, what exactly is the content that we're looking at? Should they bump up um, on our list of priorities? Um, So we take that list and we slowly kind of shuffle things around and then we report on it. And that'll get funneled out to either an ICAC or an FBI field office. What I didn't expect, well, I should have expected is kind of the back end of everything, right? Like it's fun to be in the trenches and do undercover work and, you know, have all these different suspects you are working and interactions. Uh, But once you cut that lead, you know, all the questions that come in and all the calls from different AUSAs and investigators and agents throughout the country, it can be, it can be very time consuming, you know, cause you're kind of dialing back and thinking, you know, we have, we're pretty organized on how we, we keep things straight as far as what users do what and what suspects are doing what, but it can be time consuming and, and, and kind of tricky to keep everything balanced, you know, at the same time. So we've slowly refined our process and, uh, and it's been working out pretty well. All right. Well, I'd
0: like to get more into uh, the, the case assignment, how they get to you. But first, I'd like to take a moment and thank our sponsor. PoliceOne.com is the number one resource for your up to the minute law enforcement news, training, and incident analysis. Our mission is to provide you with the information you need to better protect your communities and your safety. Becoming a Police One member is quick, easy, and free. Once registered, you will receive access to secure law enforcement-only training and video tips, articles and sections, and a subscription to our award-winning law enforcement newsletters. Go to police1.com forward slash registration to sign up today. That's police1, the number onecom forward slash registration. And we are back with the Internet Crimes Against Children, or ICAC, investigator Mike Seawall. And Mike, so we talked a little bit about your case assignment and your your big board of uh, suspects and, you know, who's active and, and how you prioritize cases. What about working with these civilian advocate groups? We You know, we saw that old To Catch a Predator program. It was on NBC. And, you know, that was entertaining. And it was always great watching these guys run and, you know, get corraled at the end that was always probably felt like a canine feels when they they catch on the, the the suspect but what about the civilian advocate groups are you are they cooperating with you or how are those relationships or do you have to dial them back a little bit
1: yeah you know we've seen kind of to catch predator I think inspired a lot of people. Right. And just the access that everybody has to the same things that we do, you know, what we do is open for the public. Right. But yes, you know, we, we, we see a lot of vigilante groups. We see a lot of people that will kind of take on, you know, these undercover personas and then film people and, and tell them they're in trouble or you, you name it. I've seen it all mm-hmm. over the place. And the, the problem with that is not only is there a misconception that these people aren't dangerous because they truly are? I look around at different crime types and crimes against children is just different. You've read a lot of the things I'm sure that I've posted on LinkedIn, the type of people that, that we've arrested. It runs the spectrum of every type of person, right? But the one thing that a lot of them have in common is that they don't have much of a criminal history. They don't have a lot of, of a big backstory to them. You know, it's not a drug dealer where they've had four or five arrests for dime bags in the past. These people don't have that. And because of the type of crime that it is, it completely destroys a life, right? It, it it upends your entire existence, your job, your family, kids, everything, everything can be gone in an instant. So a lot's on the line, you know, when, when people show up and, you know, we run these enticement type cases. So, you know, my first point is that it's just dangerous. And to have someone in the public, you know, a vigilante type trying to to do these types of operations and in, in undercover work is is unnecessary. I can tell you that much. Sure. Um, there's sure. enough of us out in the field doing it that we don't need, we don't need any extra help and that it, it should come to a stop. You know, and the other part of it is too, is as an ICAC task force, you know, there's very specific policies and rules that you have to follow, right? There's a national standard that's set forth throughout our country, it stipulates how we can interact with people, um, how we can harvest evidence and and how we can talk to them, you know how the undercover check operates in general um, and it's very specific and it, it holds us to a very high standard, and, and that's important. it's very important. Um, we don't want to entrap people. Uh, we don't want to put people in positions that you know they wouldn't normally be in by you know pushing them to a limit or or being overzealous with the way that we're talking to them. You know, we run this in a way that it exposes who the people really are. And unfortunately with some of the vigilante stuff, you know, they're not taught these things. They don't go to training. They don't know the standards that that are ran. And so it's important that people leave it to the professionals and the experts in the field to continue to do this work um, because I can guarantee there's going to be more and more of us doing it, you know, as these crimes continue to rise. I sure. mean, I, I read a couple studies where, you know, online enticement has gone up over 2000% in wow. the last five years. Wow. And, and that's incredible
0: yeah i would I would imagine you know with the ubiquity of electronic devices and cell phones, and everybody's got a tablet or computer that um, mm-hmm. you know the, the field is wide open so what I heard you say was that don't try this at home right we're trained professionals it's you know we're- ju- we're jumping Grand Canyon on a motorcycle. don't do this, and you talk about the training and the expertise and the protections you have as an investigator. And so these vigilante groups or even law enforcement officers who may say, hey, I'm going to grab this guy. Um, what should if if an officer on or off duty comes across something uh, that raises their hackles a little bit, what
1: should they do with that information? Sure. So the nice thing about ICAC is we have a really good system of finding other people that do ICAC. You know, I know mostly our state here in Wisconsin, but we have Affiliates everywhere. so an ICAC affiliate is basically, so Winnebago County Sheriff's Office is an affiliate. You know some of our our cities in our county are also affiliates, and they're all over the state. Uh, the first thing you would want to do is contact someone who is an ICAC affiliate. There's also a lot of, you know for us specifically of our Wisconsin Department of Justice. Department of Criminal Investigation. We have specific agents that work just ICAC stuff. And they're a great resource. You know, they have forensic analysts, they have agents that work undercover and do proactive work. And I know a lot of states have attorney general's offices that run ICAC specific stuff. And also, you know, don't be afraid to reach out to our federal partners, you know, FBI, um, and HSI, you know, both those agencies run ICAC operations and investigations and have the tools and knowledge um, to be able to, you know, assist you in figuring out where to go with that information, right? Back in 2015, I kind of saw the writing on the wall as far as, you know, I don't know how much you know about the state of Wisconsin, but we have a, a large rural area in the northern half of our of our state. And I'm fortunate enough to be in a county that kind of takes this really seriously and was willing to kind of give me the resources and the tools to be able to do what I'm doing and the training. But what I saw is that a lot of these rural agencies, they could come across this type of stuff and have no clue what to do, right? Mm. They wouldn't have the resources to do it. Um, So in 2015, I I was able to reach out to the folks at Alicia's Law, and they're able to bring it into the state of Wisconsin. And now there's funding for all those folks all throughout our state, you know, every year. Like every two, year, it gets, two years, it gets re-upped and it's funding for those, those agencies to not only get the training, but to get the computers and the phones and the internet services and mm. all the stuff that they need in order to be able to, to do this. So, you know, all those law enforcement agencies out there that may be in a state that don't have Alicia's Law enacted, I strongly suggest if it's something that you need, reach out to the people there because they are more than willing to help. They come in with they're they're great stories they're they're great success stories and and they help push to get that funding for iCAC task forces throughout the United States. Awesome.
0: That's a good resource. Hey, let's talk a little bit about recidivism and um what are the chances of sex offender rehabilitation? So, I guess it ranges depending on the misdemeanor offenses to the felony offenses. Uh, Whether or not they get categorized as a sex offender, where they've got to check in every year on their birthday, are we at the prosecution stage giving them too much information? And does rehabilitation really work for a sex offender? Or do we just give them enough information at the prosecution through exculpatory? Do we tell them how not to be uh, captured?
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And that's an interesting question because I think it really, it varies depending on the individual. You know, when I sit down to interview someone, you know, that we arrest, I have that talk. I, you know, I talk about the spectrum of of, of offenders of predators, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there's people that had a day where they kind of fell into a bad spot, made a poor decision and decided to meet a 14 year old girl who ended up being me. Right. And there's some out there on the other end of the spectrum. That are out hunting for prey, right? Mm-hmm. Every day their goal is to be out hunting for prey. And the issue with ICAC arrests and in, in suspects is this the internet in general kind of gives people that cloak of anonymity that the risk reward is really leaning towards the reward most of the time. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So because they don't have that fear in them that, they're going to get caught, there's more likelihood they're going to go back and see just how far, how much they can get away with before they get potentially caught again.
0: Sure.
1: I think back to some of these, you know, some of the things that I do and some of the discussions and some of the apps that I, that I use for operations. And there are people that will make the statement. There's too many of us. Don't be worried about it. They can't, they don't have the time or resources to find us all. Wow. So what I actually did is I screenshotted that and I put it up on my wall in my office as a reminder that, yeah, we will put the time in and we will put the resources into this to find you and as many of you as, as we can. So I think that's an issue with this, but then there are a good number of folks out there too, that, you know, this is one of those lessons that once you're on the registry, you're so restricted and there's so much consequence that will come your way. If you do veer off that way, that it's just not worth, it's not worth going after. Right. But you know, when I go out and, and, and do some talks in our community and stuff like that, you know, I ask people what is the most powerful thing for a human being, right? It's sex. Sex is one of the most powerful things that, that controls a human beings, you know, emotions, their thought processes, their decision-making abilities. And when you, are involved in something like this, and, and that is your what you're attracted to and what you find yourself going back to, it, I think it's very difficult for people to go in a different direction. And I see that as a, a really big problem is that I don't know that, you know, the the rehabilitation necessarily addresses the fact that this is is inside them somewhere. And Our job or rehabilitation's job is to try to convince them otherwise. And Mm. I I just think it's embedded in there where they it might not be a conscious decision. It's something that they feel and think and and emotionally are attached to. And that's a tricky thing to deal with. I'm not sitting here saying that they're doing it wrong by any means, but I just think it's a difficult human emotion to try to deal with.
0: Right. No, you're trying to deal with impulses and compulsive behavior. And actually, a, a friend of mine, who, uh, a nurse who was a child psychologist as well, and uh, dealt with uh, sex trauma victims, she told me something that was interesting about uh, rehabilitation programs for sex offenders. And she did a study. She was part of a study in California that said that of sex offenders who get rehabilitation while in custody and those that get rehabilitation or therapy out of custody of the two, which tend to do better, would you say?
1: I would say out of custody. Well, that's, I think that's that's what what I would,
0: I think that's what I would, I think that's what I did say, but I think it is counterintuitive, but she says, no, those in custody do better. They respond better to the treatment because they have that feeling of empathy for their victims because when they're in a prison setting, they are on the hot seat mm-hmm. knowing that other people in prison with them feel the way they do about them being child predators sure makes them likely to be a victim as well. And so that's where they, they finally get it. They finally realize what it's like for the victim side of, of the equation. And it was really interesting. And I think it's, it's something that uh, that should be at every parole hearing uh, for sex offenders that they'll probably respond better to therapy in custody. And that's what I would hope for.
1: Absolutely.
0: So you're you're giving us great information. And I know we're going to list a couple of um, resources, uh, Alicia's Law, the NCMEC, the National Center for Missing Exploited Children, free uh, resources. One of the last things I'd like to ask you is about the investigators' well-being. And it is a hard crime. It is a hard investigative process for someone like you, people who worked for me in in child abuse and child sexual uh, assaults. You know, we had to be really careful with case assignments on how many we gave them, when we gave them a break, Uh, the real serious egregious predator cases and some of the ones that were less likely. They're all serious, but less offensive what do you suggest for the mental health and well-being, or what do you do to keep sane and to keep the mental health of the investigator uh, above board?
1: Sure, so first and foremost, have a very strong <laughs> wife if you're married or girlfriend or boyfriend or husband or family element of any kind. For me, specifically, my wife is such a good resource for me. Do I tell her details of what's going on? Absolutely not, but just the fact that if I do truly need a sounding board she's there, right? Just having that backbone and that solid foundation in your life is, is really important. But you know, another big thing is actually going to counseling, you know, mm-hmm. talking to someone, talking to someone that you don't know about things that they don't know about and, and getting their perspective on how you're thinking about those things, how you're dealing with some of the things that you see and hear, and just, you know, being honest, being honest with yourself and being honest about what you can handle um, is your tank too full? Um, do you need to take that break or not? Too often, you know, the thrill of the hunt <laughs> comes into play, right? We're we're all competitive type A folks in law enforcement. So, you know, winning is a big deal and winning in this type of chess match, you know, in the undercover world and ICAC is a really big deal because it's, there are times where a child's life is on the line. And you know, I tell people all the time, you know, what's really difficult, especially but what we're doing right now, is the fact that when you have a, a great success, you know, like that, that two-week old, it's hard not to jump back on and do it again. It's hard not to, you know, want to find that next person and or on the other side of the coin, miss that person. You know, inside you look at it and you go, man, if I don't pick up my phone tonight and look at that, am I gonna miss one? Am I, am I going to miss that little girl or boy that that might be in danger? But at the same time, you have to realize internally, hey, it is time to take a step back, take a couple of days off, take a long weekend off and just let your brain reset. Everything will be OK. You'll come back. You'll find them, you know, or everything's going to be fine. But it's it's really it's difficult to do that. It really is difficult. You know, and then I also think about those individuals that are are constantly exposed to child sexual abuse material in our operation alone. I mean, hundreds of thousands of videos and images me and my partners have have viewed over the past year and a half or so, you know, to the point where we've seen everything. You know, when we see something new, that's kind of a, a shock to our system that we haven't seen it before. But everybody from the forensic analysts to the the folks at NECMEC. Um, all the law enforcement out in the field, even the even our, you know, uh, word processors that have to read the reports that we that we put into the queue that describes the child sexual abuse material. Like all these people, you know, deserve the right to be able to talk to somebody about what they've read or heard or seen, um, because it's not normal and it's not okay. And if you start to have those feelings where you're overwhelmed, you know, it's just so important to reach out to somebody and and break that stigma that we are these tough you know, it's always a tough guy or gal in law enforcement. Yeah, we are. We are very strong. We're very brave people, but we're also very human and we deserve the respect and, and the dignity to be able to go out and reach out and, and have help when we need it. Well, hear, here. well said. And um, thanks
0: for all that you do. And I hope you are taking care of yourself. It sounds like you've got a, a pretty good idea of what, what to do. And, uh, the warning signs to look for when, you know, too much is too much. Uh, thanks so much, Michael Seawall, Mike Seawall on the ICAC investigations team to root out child predators and sex offenders. Appreciate your time today.
1: Oh, thanks for having me.
0: So to our listeners, Hey, it's great that you're listening in. Tell your friends rate us on Apple podcasts. Uh, give us four or five stars. It really helps. And if you're enjoying the show and you want to drop us a line and give us an idea on someone you'd like to hear from uh, or about, like Michael Seawall and the Child Internet uh, Crimes, uh, drop us a line. Let us know if you've got a question. We'll do our best to find an expert to answer it. And uh, you may find yourself on our uh, mailbag episode. So, Write us at policing matters at police1.com. That's police one com. And we'd love to hear from you. So for all of you out there listening, thanks for listening. Take care, stay safe, and we'll see you again real soon.